Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Good morning. Welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Symmetra, LPGA, and Legends Tour, and so many others, helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, once again, and welcome to the Women of Golf. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional, Cindy Miller. And yes, my good friend and buddy, Cindy, good morning and welcome. Well, thank you, Jer. I didn't know we were good friends and buddies. <laughs> I know. You know, it's funny. I, I, the reason why I said that was because the very first time we had our guest on, I said the very same thing, and you said, what, we're friends? So I thought I'd throw that in there just as a nostalgia. <laughs> All right, we've got, we got a great show for you. We're already starting off good here. Um, we got a, a young lady who was on with us actually December of last year uh, when she took her first win – uh, the 2020 Florida's Natural Charity Classic, and she's returning this year with her second win. Uh, this happened just this past weekend at the uh, Guardian Championship, so she's raring to go. Uh, of course, I'm talking about a young lady that was uh, a native of Huntsville, Alabama, but currently resides out in uh, Arizona, uh, Janie Jackson. So, Cindy, let's welcome our latest winner here on the Symmetra Tour, Miss Janie Jackson. Good morning, you. Hey, good morning. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Well, Congratulations we're on the win. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was a fun one. It's fun to win at home. Yeah, that's like totally awesome. So tell us about it. What was the best thing about it? I've I've known that golf course since I was a kid. I, the first time I played it, I was probably. 14 or 15 years old um used to play high school events there uh and actually on that golf course was the first lpga event i ever played in i was i think i was 16 i, I monday qualified in um so just always have had a lot of special memories at, at that place and i love going back every time i get the opportunity to wow wow ted now what was the course that just so that the folks know what course are you talking about is a RTJ Capitol Hill, and then we played the the Senator course. It's like they have three courses there, but that one's more like um like a link style course kind of. Um, mm-hmm. It's really a, a different type of golf course than you're going to find anywhere else in the state. Um, I love it. So let me ask Robert you then, Trent just Jones. on that, and yes, yeah, exactly. Um, let me ask you, Janie, just. Uh, sort of a follow-up from that because obviously most of the courses that you play are a little bit different. They're not typically a link-style course. What kind of adjustments do you make? And Greg, congratulations as well, by the way, on, on your uh, your second win on Symmetra. It's a job well done, and I'm very, very happy for you. What's the, um, what's the adjustment that you make, if any, to your game when you're playing that type of a golf course compared to what you normally play out on tour? Um. Well, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's different than than most every other course we play. Um, But for me, I think being so familiar with with that one helped a ton because there's so many tee shots where you're cutting corners. And and it's also interesting to play a golf course where there there are no trees that come into play on on pretty Mm -hmm. much the entire golf course. Um, There's a bunch of rolling hills, uh, dog legs, blind tee shots kind of um and for me i just try to take advantage of of being familiar with it and my length off the tee just i I hit driver a lot um to give myself 
a bunch of wedges into the green. The the greens are really big and they're sectioned off and they're um there's a lot a lot of the pin locations are like in bowls. So I felt like I had the best chance to um to go low by by getting it far out off the team and having a wedge into the green uh, really attack some of those pins um, with them being so sectioned off on, on the greens. Now, do you also typically, for those that are not familiar with link style, as you mentioned, uh, typically you don't find trees or very few trees uh, on a link style course, so it's very, very open and wind uh, can become a factor quite often. Did you guys uh, have this past week? Did, was there uh, some windy conditions? And if so, um, did you have to hit some lower shots coming into the greens uh, to prevent it from ballooning up and maybe missing your target? So we had, uh, I don't know if you guys are, are aware, but our, our event was shortened to two days because of, of weather. Yes. Uh, so we had, the wind was, it, it was there, but it wasn't like, it wasn't crazy. It was more so the course was just so wet, which made it play so long because we were getting zero rollout off the tee. Um, mm-hmm. So it actually played a lot different than, than every other time I've played it. Typically that place is very firm and very fast. Um, and the greens still were not soft. They're they're newer. I think they just redid them last year or the year before, so they're still fairly firm. But as far as the fairways go, they were very soft. Um, now, had it had it been extremely windy with the soft conditions, it would have played much tougher. But um, there was only a couple times where the the wind really picked up, and it was when the rain would roll in. Now, do you typically do you like to play this style of course over what you traditionally play, or, or is it sort of evened out? Uh, I'd say it's pretty even. Um, you know, it is nice to get it, to get on a golf course that you know you don't have trees, but then that also means, especially this one, you have there's a bunch of fescues. So, you know, mm-hmm. take pick your poison. Where if you miss one, where would you rather <laughs> be? Uh, you know, so there, there's pros right. and cons to both. I, I love both. Now, just one last thing I want to mention then, Cindy. I'm going to throw it back to you. Um, you mentioned it was nice to be able to play close to home. Uh, your best friend Abby and your little brother uh, Miller were able to watch you. Uh, how cool was that? Yeah, that was so much fun. Um, you know, my brother called me uh, Friday morning because I played Friday afternoon, and he's like, hey, do you think you guys are going to play? Because the weather wasn't – it didn't look great. Mm-hmm. The forecast didn't look great. And I said, Miller, honestly, I, I don't know, because we live about two and a half hours away. And he, and he was like, "Well, you know what? Even if even if you don't play, I still want to come down. Um, you don't ever get to play that close to home, so I'm going to come. And fingers crossed, you'll play." And we ended up getting the whole 18 in that day, so it was really special to have him and, and my best friend there. Um, you know, they don't they don't come that often. A lot of times, we're playing far away from home, so it was special and it was fun to look over and and see them there cheer me on. Yeah, nothing nothing beats having a home hometown crowd, if you will, to uh, to cheer you on. Cindy, go ahead. You've been out there for quite a while, in the terms yes. of playing. What for our listeners? What are the ups and downs, and how hard is it to stay patient? Uh. Staying patient is probably the most important thing that you could do. Um, my first couple of years out here, I don't think I really understood that part of it. Um, you know, it's golf. Every week is not going to be your week, but there are going to be plenty of times where where it is. Um, so staying patient is just something that I feel like you have to, to learn how to do when, that, when you're playing this game for a living. Um it, it ends up being everything. Totally agree. Totally agree. I'm not real good at that. But God bless it's you for being good. One. Now, tell, it's, it's a tough so one. hard. Yeah. So tell me, where are you playing this week? I'm in Rogers, Arkansas, for the for the LPGA event this week. And why are you eligible for this event? 
Uh, last year, I finished top five on uh, Symmetra Money List. Um, typically, it's top ten earn their LPGA status for for the next year. But with last year being the COVID year, they cut it to five um, and gave us kind of partial status for the LPGA. So I've had I've had I think I want to say it was seven starts on the LPGA this year. Um, just just from the status that I got based off my my finish on Symmetra last year. So as of right now, this is the last LPGA event that I'm in for the year. Um, as the fields get smaller, the the closer we get to the end of the year. So um, that is why I'm eligible for for this week, just based off last year. That's awesome. Was it difficult to be in limbo? Again, that goes back to that stupid patience thing, doesn't it? I know. Oh, my God. I couldn't do it. Well, you have to do it's it. Been, so. yeah, it's been such a challenging year having to, you know, kind of not really know where I'm going to be going, what tour am I going to be playing on next week or in two weeks or in three weeks. It makes it it makes it difficult because you want to feel like you can commit to one, but I'm in a position where <clears throat> it, it's hard to do that. So it's been really, you know, like you said, like having, having to stay patient, uh, never knowing what the next week is going to bring me or where I'm going to play. But I just keep telling myself that every week, no matter where I am, no matter which tour I'm teeing it up on, all I can do is go out and try and play my best golf and, Whatever's meant to happen will happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, again, golf is golf. Let's go tee it up and let your clubs do the talking, as our saying in our household. So Exactly. Um, yeah, it's so funny. It Again, you know, you don't um, – what's the word? Our, you know, our son just played in the Crump Cup at Pine Valley, and he, he didn't qualify for the championship flight. He's like, ugh. I said, just shut up and use the next two rounds or three rounds, however many <laughs> matches you win, to get ready for the for the mid-am. So we leave tomorrow for the U.S. mid-am at Nantucket, right? And, again, it's hard because right. you have a job, but again, it's like, shut up. Golf is golf. Just go play golf. So God bless you. Yeah, you, awesome. you've got to tuck the, tuck the past rounds under your belt and just, just look forward to the next one. Yep. Ted, go ahead. So, uh, Janie, you had, I guess, a an anniversary of sorts uh, coming into last week's event. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Um, who was who was the anniversary with, and and tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, it was. So I, I realized that when I pulled in the parking lot um, in Prattville last week, I. I got out of my car and my caddy walked up to my car and I turned to him and I said, David, did you know it's our two-year anniversary uh, of us working together? And he sort of stopped in his in his tracks and he was like, oh, my goodness, you're right. So the first time that I had no clue who he was two years ago, um, a, a friend of we – had, we had a mutual friend that caddied out on tour and he was like, came to both of us separately and said, hey, you know, I, I have somebody that that I think you might like. Do you want to try try and work together and see what happens? And, and so he came and met me in Prattville at, at the same event two years ago. Um, had had never met him before, and we went out and had a great week that first week together. And so I, I made him finish out the year with me. Um, and and we, we, we ended out on, on a good note, so I had him come back for – 2020 and then our first event back out in 2020 we won and then um you know last year was such a strange year but he stuck with me through it and then um by my side and on my bag um pretty much every week that I've teed it up for the last two years so it was really special for us to to get our second win together on our two-year mark of working together at the same place that that we met two years ago so it was really cool, kind of came full circle. Well, that is very, very interesting. And for those that really don't understand the caddy-player relationship, they just they don't just carry your golf bag around the golf course. They do other uh, 
provide other functions as well. They're helping you sometimes even uh, not necessarily making the decisions. Ultimately, the decisions are yours out there. Uh, but they do give you some advice and some pointers or, or tips or whatever um, based on the circumstances. What has David done for you particularly that you can recall maybe an example where he's really come through for you in a, in a situation where you weren't sure what to do or you were having some doubts? How does he sort of keep you calm and, and uh, keep you focused? What does he do? I can't even give you one example because it's it's every single day. Um, whether we're on the road or off the road and, and we're trying to decide, hey, where are we going this week? What are we doing this week? Uh, he's my right-hand man, and I tell – or he actually reminds himself all the time that that he's my life caddy, not just my golf caddy. So um, mm-hmm. he's with me right now. He's laughing at me. Uh, but, no, he <laughs> – he, yeah, no, he's. I turned to him for everything. So, um, yeah, I, I really appreciate everything he, he does for me all the time. And it's also important too, and I'm sure he would agree that there's moments that even though he has to step up and kind of be there to to guide and 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 help you navigate around the golf course, there's also times that I'm sure he would agree that he needs to back off and just let you go through the paces, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and, and we talk about that. Yeah, and, and it, you know, it's. It, I think a lot of people, you know, we see it on TV all the time uh, on the, the tours, and, and you see the caddies, and you'll see them talking, but we don't always get a chance to hear what goes on in that. So, um, and, and you said there's multiple times that he's uh, been there each and every day when you're out uh, on tour, um, you know, helping you uh, navigate around. So, it obviously you guys have developed a good relationship and you've had some success. You've won two events uh, while he's carried the bag. So obviously um, that creates a a positive uh, experience as well. Um, I want to go on to something that you you said in uh, in part of an interview after the event. And you said, in golf, I feel like it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Explain. Right. Well, I mean, I I look at that from... From two different uh, points of view, I look at it as a when, when I'm teeing it up and around. Say, I can go out and and bogey my first four holes. I still have 14 more holes. That's 14 more birdie opportunities. So, I never if I start slow, I, I never get down on myself. And it's sort of the same way uh, when when you look as far as like as the season and and how standings are. I can have a super slow start to a season, but that doesn't matter if 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 I get to a halfway point or even close to the end. Like now, I have about four events left, mm-hmm. three events left. The whole season can change based off of how you finish, uh, and I think that's something that's really cool about golf. Uh, is you know, every week is another opportunity to to do something mm-hmm. great, and it's. Nothing's ever over until it's all the way over. So I, I always like to feel like, hey, you know what? You're getting close to the end. Pedal down, um, just because it's. You know, everybody loves to finish on a high note, and in in golf, I feel like that's something that I've really learned um, over the course of being out here for the last I don't know what four or five years now. Um, is that it's never over until it's over, and even if that means a, a heavy press at the end, uh, you know, just knowing that you have that little bit of time at the end is, is a good feeling to know that it's possible to always finish strong. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's some great advice. Um, now, normally after your first win, it's kind of hard to ascertain what I'm about to say, but now that you've got a second win, what's going to be the, what's the takeaway from the win besides obviously a whole uh, boost of confidence what do you take away from the win? What is it that you learn from the win that helps you moving forward into the next event? It's just knowing that, for for me, myself personally, just knowing that I can do it, knowing that I can compete. Um, you know, my first couple of years out here, I didn't, I won't say believe in myself, but I wasn't in a in a position where mentally I was like, okay, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to go do this. I can win this week. And I think that was part of just being young and not really knowing how it all works and not being familiar with 
with being on the road every single week. Um, of course, I would always want to go out and play well, but it wasn't it wasn't the same mindset that I have now. Now I know that every time I see it, I have the capability and and the chance to win. Um, and I think a lot of that is just believing in yourself and and believing that that you can do it. I, I think that's some great. Um a great perspective to look at it because you're right you know you know that you have the physical ability you know you wouldn't have gotten there if you did but i think mentally it can be very uh difficult sometimes until you get over that that hurdle of of getting your first win and now your second win to really reinforce that not only the confidence as i said but just the understanding and the belief that hey i can do it i know i can do it i know you know i've always known i've got a, i've had a good game but now i know it's good enough to beat the rest of the field. Um, so that, again, obviously gives you a whole different way of looking at things moving forward. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Talk to me about the um, believing you belong. Because when you first get out there, it's kind of like you're looking around, you're like, oh, my God, I'm hitting balls next to Julie Inkster. You know, <laughs> and, and – Right for me, or or Kathy Whitworth, or Mickey Wright, or Joanne Carner, because I'm an old lady. But again, you're like, wow, I'm Cindy from Silver Creek, and and then I I remember playing in the U.S. Open one year, and we were in Philly, and this golf course was so freaking long, and I'm sitting next to um, the table next to Judy Rankin, and someone was interviewing her, and she goes, this golf course is so long, and she looked at me and she goes, don't you think so? I was like, yes, it's too long for poor little me. But, again, it takes a while to say, you know what, I am as good as these girls. How long did it take for you to believe that? Well, you know, it's funny because I remember about when I got my first win, almost a year and a half, two years ago now, um, I remember just feeling like, like on the moon about it, and two days ago when I got when I got this one, I was more of like, um, yeah, I was happy and I was excited, but I almost felt a sense of like, okay, head down. Um, I I I I'm going to play golf for the next three weeks. This one's over with. Let's go do it three more times. Um, so I think it's just uh, again just knowing that you can do it, and and it took me. Two, two or three years to realize that I could do it. I'd say my first two years out here, I was sort of not doubting myself, but I wasn't fully there confidence-wise when it came to my my mental game. Um, so it definitely took a couple years. But now that I'm there, it's like, like I said a couple of days ago, I was I was happy for for a couple hours, and then and then I was I was ready to to put it behind me and head down and, and move forward and try and do it again. I agree. I agree. And again, I, our family is a golf family and um, our son, you were talking about, it's not over till it's over. Right. And he said that he had a total shift in college. He played at Augusta State and he started out the last round of this Hootie Bulls Bay tournament and um, he was a few over par and then all of a sudden he started making birdies and he's like, instead of being, Oh God, I'm four under, be careful. It's like, no, let's get to five. Let's get to six. Right. And right. This right. Summer, he shot 61 and 62 and the 61, he started with a bogey on the first hole. He said, it's just a mindset shift. That's like, no, I've had Completely. enough. And that's kind of like you. All right, done. Where's the next win? Let's go. Which is what no, you have to think. Yeah, I remember when I was when I was younger, not even that much younger. This was just a few years ago. I would get to a point in in my rounds where if I was having a good day and I'd be 4 or 5 under, I remember thinking like, "Oh no, don't mess it up." And you absolutely cannot think like that. And now I get to a point where if I start making birdies, I just I don't even I don't even think about not messing it up. All I think about is pedal down. Let's go get more. How many more chances do I have ahead of me? If I'm through X amount of holes, how many do I have left? Okay. That's still however many birdies I can get. Like I want to go as low as I can go. Um, 
and it, it it's funny. I mean, I I told David this past week. Um, I had a feeling that our tournament was going to be shortened because um, of the weather. I was looking at the forecast and. And I told him on Friday before we teed off, I said, David, I think this is going to be a shortened event. We need to get out and go low early um, just in case. And and from my first round, it, it took me until my seventh hole to get my first birdie. But then once I did, it was like, all right, that, that switch was flipped on. It was like, how many more can I get in in my next, you know, 29 holes Um so that was sort of my goal was just to, to get out and go as low well as I could early because I, I just had a gut feeling in the back of my mind that, that it could be shortened. Um, so it was nice just, just to, to to know what I needed to do and go out and make it happen. And you won by four. Yes, ma'am. So you were, you were on the mm-hmm. money. Good job. Ted? Thank you so much. Yeah, you had a great tournament, um, and yeah, to get to to really have that kind of an insight, Cindy too is is really incredible, especially at at her age to be able to just say, you know what, to her caddy, we've got to get out and get it done because we may not be here the full event because of weather or what have you. Um, to have that kind of foresight to know, to, hey, we need to step up our game early and get out there with a with a good solid uh, finish, and um, and then. Ultimately, you went on to, to win the event. That's that's incredible because a lot of people might not have thought of that from that perspective. So that was very uh, insightful on your part. I want to switch gears a little bit and sort of a two-part question. Um, if golf was not in in your vocabulary, if, if you were not out playing on tour um, or playing in general, what else would you have liked to do or have done? Um, and what do you like to do for fun? besides golf? That's a tough one. Um, <laughs> I love golf. I'm just so lucky I've been able to travel <clears throat> so much and see so many places around the world. Um, but when I'm not when I'm not playing golf, uh, I love I love spending time at the lake. I'm, I grew up, um, you know, we had a lake 30 minutes away from where I'm from, so grew up spending my summers out there. I still spend, if I'm at home, I spend my weekends out there just being out on the water, whether that mean on the boat um, or, or water skiing or whatever it may be. And um, I also love to to um, to go vacation out, out west in the mountains, uh, snow ski, snowboard, something I've, I've done since I was a little kid. Uh, I, just, I love being outside. I love being active. Uh, don't get me wrong, I love my time to relax too, but but as far as, as my free time, what do I like to do that, that makes me happy and where I have the most fun, it's definitely being outside and, and doing um, some sort of outdoor activity. What about as far as a career choice, though? If, if golf was not your career as it is right now, what else would you like to be doing? Would it would it be something else involving an outdoor activity of some sort, uh, or or do you see yourself in a different place if golf was not your your career? You know, I think about I think about that often because I'm from a family of lawyers, um, and and so I see that I see them I see what they do. Um, my my dad's an attorney. My my older brother graduated from from law school at Georgia. My younger brother just graduated from law school um, in Birmingham, Alabama at Stanford. So mm-hmm. they always tell oh, me, wow. they're like, hey, you know, if, if golf doesn't work out, are you, are you going to come do what we do? And I'm like, ah, I don't know if I'm cut out for that <laughs> type of work, but uh, <laughs> I, I won't completely say no, but um, I, I feel like that's what they would push for. And I, I don't know. I mean, it's very interesting, but it's long hours. It's a lot of reading, and I'd much rather be out um, – outside on the grass playing golf at any day for sure well i say this respectfully to your family you got enough lawyers in the family you need to find something else if golf doesn't work out (laughs) you got more than enough attorneys yeah you got enough attorneys in the in the family uh uh to uh to satisfy that that particular need but very very interesting because you know again obviously you're very very passionate about golf and and uh, you mentioned the travel um, but even for, from that standpoint, it's very exciting to see different places. 
it gets difficult uh, at times, correct? I mean, when you're having to travel and you're living out of suitcases all the time, it can be a little bit taxing, especially if you're playing multiple events in a row, right? Absolutely. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, we're, we're so fortunate to be able to, to play this game for a living, but at the same time, it's it's a grind. Um, you're away from your family and your friends and the ones that you love the majority of the year. Uh, you're in a different state every week. You go weeks or months without seeing home. Um, you're living out of your suitcase. You're you're doing laundry in hotels every week. You're, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not easy. But but at the same time, as long as you know that that's what you're doing and you're okay with it, you know, there's pros and cons to to every job, right? Um, so mm-hmm. I, I just think that at the end at the end of the day, as tough it is as it is, we're still very fortunate to be able to do this for a living a living you just have to to grow to be accustomed to the lifestyle because you know only five six hours maybe seven hours out of the day you're golfing those other 18 hours or so you're you know you're either on your own or you're in an unfamiliar place that isn't home and um you just Mm -hmm. you just have to to grow accustomed to it and that took me a while. Um, definitely took me a couple years, but um, one, once you get comfortable with it, then it, it just becomes your your normal. Yeah, I think that's right, and and it and it sounds like you're you found your stride. Um, you're you know you've adapted to that that particular lifestyle, and you're getting used to things now. So it becomes a little bit easier, and it certainly makes it nice when you've got a couple of wins under your belt. All right, last question. Um, your dream foursome, if you could put together a foursome that you would just absolutely die to play in, and of course you can include Cindy and I, as much as we would love to be part of that foursome that can include <laughs> us, um, who, would be, who would be your dream foursome? If you could put a foursome together and play uh, a round of golf, who would it be besides in, in addition to yourself? Do they need to all be golfers? No. no. They can be anybody you want. All right. Um... I just think having grown up loving the game, I think you got to go Tiger one, whether it be Tiger now or mm-hmm. Tiger in his prime, whenever. Um, I, I think that has to be one. Um, and then I'm I'm going to go off the rails here, and I'm going to say um, <laughs> there's no chance she plays golf, but it, it's somebody that I'd love to meet. Um, I'm going to go Christina Aguilera. Um, and let's go, let's go Doris Burke. Uh, I, I love listening to her on the TV. Uh, I think she's so awesome. Um, and then let's go, I want to go Tom Brady. Um, I would, I, I just think it's what he's done is absolutely amazing and he, he's total stud and he's, got to be one of the greatest athletes of all time so and and then and and then on top of that i'm gonna have to sprinkle in somebody like like seth curry or lebron james or someone like that i'm a i'm a sports fan so i just think it would be cool to to play with some of the some of the greats and uh just kind of see pick their brain a little bit um i don't know i just i think that would be fun i know that's a totally random group but that's probably who i'd go with well, that's some that's some diversity, Cindy. I mean, that's that's all over the map. I mean, you've got uh, you know some other sports outside of golf. Of course, Tiger is an obvious uh, choice. I think a lot of people would love to. Again, young or old, uh, Christina Aguilera. That's one I didn't see coming. I got to admit, that was one I didn't see coming. But I can understand uh, <laughs> musically. I know it's totally, um, totally random. I don't know if I want to play golf. That, that one I didn't see or coming. Go to dinner with I, her I knew or Tiger. What, but. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. That's that's fantastic. Um, Cindy, any final thoughts or, or questions? No, it, this was great. You're awesome. You're going to do marvelous things. Good luck this week. Keep grinding. Um, great things are happening for you and will be for the future. Good luck, honey. Thank you so much. I appreciate it a lot. All right, and roll tide. Yes, sir. Roll Tide.
All right. Have a good uh, have a good tournament this week. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks again for having me. Yep. Good You're luck. very welcome. All right. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. All right. That. W- that was Janie Jackson, uh, winner of this past weekend's uh, Guardian Championship on the Smet Tour, and she's off playing in Arkansas this week in the LPGA event. Uh, so I'm sure she'll do very well. Um, great young lady, don't you agree, Cindy? Really, a lot of yeah. uh, a lot of good vibes coming out of her. I think she's finally again found her stride, and I think she's going to do very very well closing out the season. I think she's going to do well moving forward, and, and just got a good head on her shoulders and and um, It'll be interesting to see uh, what what happens over the next uh, uh, year or so with her as well. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back. Uh, We're going to enter into the no BS zone and talk about uh, some tips for junior golfers. We'll be right back. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back, and Cindy and I are entering into the, as we call it, the no BS zone. We're going to give it to you straight, and we're going to talk about some tips, nine particularly. We may not get to all of them. We'll see how our time is. Uh, About junior golfers, see what we can do to help them. And Cindy, the first one that I think uh, we want to cover here is is obviously finding the right fit, Um, and I'm referring to instructor, because you obviously want to get them working with an instructor, uh, instructor, excuse me. Uh, but one thing particular that I think I want to get your thoughts on here is when you found the right candidate that's going to work with your child, um, one of the things that we want to make sure is that they're not getting too much information from a variety of sources um, and, and helping them to learn. So in other words, if they've got a coach or an instructor that they're working with, that's really, would you not agree, where they need to get their, uh, their instruction from and not getting it from a variety of different sources that ultimately would confuse them. What do you think? Are you saying that they should stick with one instructor? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it depends on the environment, but I think if, they're, if they've found somebody that uh, they've you know, had a conversation or maybe several conversations with, they're comfortable with, and they say, okay, I, I want to learn this game or I want to take it to the next level, um, I think it's important that they work with that individual and not getting uh, advice from you know, the committee of they as, they, as, as you put it in the past. That's what I'm referring to. I agree. I agree. And I, and I believe that you should find one instructor. Um, mm-hmm. I don't believe that a junior student um, needs different instructors for different aspects of their game, like short game or mental game or, right. you know, I don't believe when they're young they need that. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, stick with one person. Otherwise, they get totally confused. Well, and, and I think the other thing, too, is, uh, and that includes, I include parents in this. I mean, the parent's role is to be supportive, to encourage the child um, at whatever level. It doesn't matter whether they're a little gaffer or whether they're, you know, in their teens and, and beyond. I think it's very important. But I think, again, you're paying for lessons or coaching, whatever the case may be, with that instructor. And that's really who should be, uh, you know, uh, guiding this child through this journey, and I think if the parents, it's good for them to be involved and encourage and be supportive of what the coach or, or teaching professionals uh, putting out there. But I think if they start getting in and interfering, and this is something Cindy you've talked about before, where the coach is saying, "Okay, you know, Sally or Jim or whatever, you know, here's what I'd like for you to do," and then the parents are sort of unraveling that. Um, 
because they don't necessarily agree with it or they think that the child should be leaning more this way because they want to get them into more competitive golf, and that may not be the best first step for the child. What, what are your thoughts on that? Here's the – I had a person – I have a family with two daughters, two young, beautiful little daughters, who come for lessons with the junior clinic, and the mom brought a friend who was a dad with a boy and a girl for the junior group this past week. And the dad was mm-hmm. standing there telling the little boy what to do. And I looked and I said, mm-hmm. Oh, do you play golf? And he said, no. <laughs> and, and I've got a couple parents like that, that are such control freaks. And I said, well, I can help them. You can sit and watch. Oh, I don't need to sit. I mean, and you have to be polite. I wanted to say, get right. out of here, go away somewhere else. You know, but you can't. And I'm like, why would you even think about telling them what to do when you don't even play? It's just right. amazing to me. Move over and let the teacher teach. And if you don't like what the teacher teaches, then find a different teacher. But, yeah. Well, and, so Yeah, and, and this is why I think the conversation in the beginning is important, not just with a student. I mean, the child needs to obviously feel com- comfortable with the, with the instructor first and foremost, because if they're not, then they're not going to be receptive to, to any teaching that's happening. But I think the parents also have to have a conversation and so that the teacher fully understands where the parent is coming from, what it is that they're looking for to make sure that they are on the same page. And if they're not, then, you know, obviously you find someone that is, but you're right. I mean, particularly if, if the parent is not a golfer or doesn't really play, um, to be standing there giving them advice and telling them what to do in the presence of the instructor who is trained and certified in those different areas, it just does not make sense. And this is what I'm talking about when it adds to the confusion. Um, the next point Which I want to talk about here's the is... the sad part. So I just yeah, have ahead. to say something. I have to interrupt. Sure. The sad part mm-hmm. of that is that the, you have to say, why does the parent do that? Are they trying to push their child to be, you know, better? Are they afraid their child isn't going to know how to play? What's the fear that's motivating the parent to do that? Mm-hmm. I, I, there's a deeper cause, and it's very sad. So that's all I'm going to say about that. It's just why would yeah. you do that? There's a fear that my child's not going to measure up. They can't play well mm-hmm. enough. Something that's odd. I agree. And I think it's important, again, very early on to set those boundaries between the instructor and the parents. The parents can certainly have involvement, but again, it's more of a supportive and more from an encouraging role. When they start to, uh, as I put it, be combative or get to a point where they're overriding what the instructor is doing, then obviously it's not a good fit, number one. Or maybe the parents getting into areas that they're really not qualified for And it it does more harm than good because the child sees that. It's embarrassing to the child, especially if the parent's very outspoken. Um, It makes them feel uncomfortable and less likely for them to want to continue to participate. And I honestly believe, I I kid you not, you know, everybody always talks about golf so hard and that's why kids. I truly believe that if you were to poll them, the number one reason that a lot of kids drop out, especially at an early age, the ones that do, it's because of that very thing we're talking about. Um, I'm sure there's a lot that find it challenging and difficult and and maybe decide it's not for them, but I'll bet you a lot of it is because they're getting a lot of outside pressure from at home to be this or to be that, and it's just too much, and it it loses that spark of interest, and they just decide this is not for me. I can't do this. I'm never going to measure up. I'm never going to be good enough or what have you, and it just goes by the wayside, and that's why it's so important to make sure that you have those early conversations to set the tone moving forward. Otherwise, you're just going to end up uh, with a very unhappy child. And, and golf is meant to be fun. We want to make it fun and exciting for the junior golfers. And you can't do that if you're a helicopter parent. Um, it just does not work. Second one I want to move on so we can get through as many of these as we can. Uh, group instruction uh, has been found in some cases to uh, works best. I know, Cindy, you do a lot of uh, group clinics and things like that. Um, do you agree to a point that maybe at a certain uh, level or uh, an earlier uh, indication with, with young golfers that that works best, that's a, a good environment, and then maybe wean them off into more individual instruction as they get older and become more refined. What are your thoughts here as far as group instruction? 
sometimes I have them come in for a private half-hour lesson first and just see Mm -hmm. if they like it and they like me and they want to continue. And if that's the case, then we move them to the groups. And then when they start to, you know, improve more to a certain level and they start to really enjoy the game and want to play maybe in some U.S. kids golf tournaments or the local PGA Junior Tour or whatever, then I suggest that they mix in privates with groups. I like the groups because I want them to meet other kids. Um, mm-hmm. Kids, you know, needless to say, my some of my best friends are people I played junior golf or college golf with. I mean, they remain friends for life, and I think that's really important. Um, so I would mix in both, depending on the child. If the child doesn't really like it, then I and they're just doing it for fun, uh, I suggest just staying with the groups. If they start to really enjoy what they're doing, then I mix in the privates with the groups. Yeah, and I think it's, again, it depends on the individual needs. But, you know, kids work, uh, for the most part, not in every case, but work well in groups. They they like to learn things together. They'll laugh together and even struggle together. It, it sort of reinforces, hey, I'm not the only one out here struggling. Everybody's having some challenges here. Um, obviously, some kids are going to be a little bit more advanced and better than the other kids, and that's okay. You can learn from them, and there's uh, ways that you can help one another. But I think kids... They kids want to, you know, golf. Believe it or not, even though it's perceived to be an individual sport, is actually a very social game, and I think kids really grapple to that because it's something that's fun that they can do with their with their peers and get out there and, and enjoy it and and like I said, have a few laughs and kind of be silly at times and whatever. Um, and um, I, I think if you put that group instruction framework, it can be very very beneficial in getting that youngster. Uh, with some early development. And then, again, who knows where they go from there. Um, younger kids, Cindy, I think need variety. As I say, variety is a spice of life. Um, you're certainly never too young to learn, uh, but you've got to have a mixture of activity, especially for the youngest golfers. Obviously, when they get a little bit, again, more refined and a little more advanced, you're going to zero in on specific things. But you've got to be, uh, when you're doing especially group things, it's got to be a variety. You can't just be doing the same thing day in, day out, right? Absolutely. Absolutely, you got to mix it up. And sometimes, again, this is where the parents might um, think, well, they're not learning anything. Well, they are. It's participation learning. It's being together. I mean, we have contests, and I give out candy, and, okay, what do you want to do today? And I let them choose, and, and you have to do that, or they're going to go, oh, terrible. So I totally agree with this. <clears throat> And I think also it's important, number four, don't sweat the details. Obviously, having solid fundamentals are important, uh, but for the beginning golfer particularly, having a few flaws here and there is not the end-all, be-all. Obviously, you want them to learn uh, proper etiquette, proper techniques, and things like that. But when they're really young, Cindy, I think if we're, if we're too detail-oriented, again, it makes it too challenging for them at a very early uh, stage of the game, and that is another reason why they, they might uh, retract a little bit. Um, what do you like to do here in this area? When you get new students coming in, um, do you base it on the assessment, where they're at, um, to decide, okay, how, how aggressive I'm going to be in, in being detail-oriented, or are we just going to go out and have a good time and have some fun for now because this is where you know, little Sally's at right now? What, what's, what's your process? It's all about where they are right now. And I I had someone come in for a private lesson last week, um, brought their daughter in, and I said, look, she's having fun. She's hitting the ball. She's got a split grip. We don't really care. I mean, there's so many things that if they just mm-hmm. lash LaRue it and they hit the ball every time, why would you change that? <laughs> Especially if they're only five right. or six years old, right? I mean, yep. let mm-hmm. them have fun. That's just, you know. Really, really, really important that they have to have fun. Yep. And I think number five, no, I I couldn't agree more. I think you've got to meet them where they're at. You've got to decide uh, what level they're at, what what their interest is. Some some want to be more uh, technical or more detail-oriented. They want to learn uh, the basics and things like that right away. Some of them just want to go out there and give it a mighty swipe and, and you know, whatever happens, happens. And that's okay. Meet them where they're at. Uh, number five, uh, Cindy, I think you would agree with this, especially as they start to advance a little bit, 
get them on the course as soon as possible. It's great to be at the range and hitting balls and on the putting green and so forth and so forth and hitting out of bunkers, but let's get them on the course as soon as possible. This, is, I know, is something that you like to do at your boot camps is you have a little bit of time on the range and, and warm-ups and things like that and different drills, but then you want to get them on the course fairly quickly to actually learn how to play the game, right? Yeah, I do. I do. Kids are going to get bored hitting balls. So, yeah, we got to get them on the course. And and what you do is you take them and say, okay, we're going to play from 25 yards and in, and they have to shoot 36. Mm-hmm. So every hole they have to make four, even if they don't get on the green or they get on the green and three from 25 yards and they one putt or they get on a one and three putt or they get on a two and two putt, whatever way it works, they they have to learn that there's an accountability to where they hit the ball. And there's a scoring component to it. So I think that's important. Mm -hmm. Um, Number six, let the child decide it's their journey. Um, This goes back to really what you were talking about a little bit earlier. Um, You know, not all junior golfers may want to play in tournaments. Some might like to just uh, have some easy competition. They don't like the, um, um, you know, the, I won't say hardcore, but the, the, stringency, if you will, of a, of a tournament play, um, whether it be a junior event um, through the USGA or what have you. Um, they just want to go out and, and have fun, so it's really up to them what they want to do. Um, again, it goes back to what you said earlier about the parents not really pushing them into one direction or another and letting the, uh, the child sort of decide. So I think we've kind of covered that. Um, number seven is, um, as we know, slumps are part of sports. Uh, every golfer reaches a point where their scores aren't improving because putts don't drop or drives miss their target. Um, that's okay. Um, kids sometimes can get down themselves. What do you like to do, Cindy? You, you've seen kids that maybe throughout early parts of the season are really improving, and then all of a sudden they're just things don't seem to be gelling. How do you handle a situation like that with one of your students? Um, I, I ask them, you know, what's happening on the golf course? Because they can, when they come in for a lesson, you fix them, right? And they they mm-hmm. hit it better. And if they're not paying attention to what they're doing, they don't own it. They're just being a puppet to what you're telling them to do. You know, again, our saying is, guess who's holding the club? You have to be very aware mm-hmm. of what you're doing with the club. And if you're hitting it okay and you're still scoring bad, you just have to reflect and say, what am I doing? You have to evaluate your game. What am I thinking? Why do I hit it there? Why did I hit it there? What were my thoughts? Did I not commit? So it's, it's like an evaluation of what just happened, why did it happen, and sometimes there's nothing you can do about it, right? It's like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, right. that's just the way it is. And that happens a lot, Right. Right. Well, and, and it's important, too, for them not to dwell on what's going wrong because uh, that brings them down. I mean, if they're focusing on, um, you know, certainly you have to make them aware of what they're doing, um, offer a, a, a suitable fix for what they're doing. Uh, but ultimately, it's up to them. As you said, they're holding the club. Um, but if they're, fo- if they're dwelling or focusing on every bad shot they hit and they're not really uh, putting things in perspective, then that's going to even you know, further uh, put them in a slump, or if they start making drastic changes. We see this all the time, not even just with juniors, but with ever, uh, every amateur golfer out there. They get out there, and, you know, one week they're having a pretty good round. The next week it's not so good. The next thing, you know, when they come to the lesson tee, they're saying, well, I think my grip's bad, or this is bad, or that, and they want to start reinventing the wheel every time. Uh, and that's just only going to exacerbate uh, the problem. I think it's, you know, I think if they've got a pretty good, set of fundamentals together and there may be other areas maybe it's a mental issue a mental block what have you that could be the problem uh, let's not change it up so much that they uh, get so confused and then it just gets to the point where the frustration takes over and they're just not enjoying themselves anymore so slumps happen it's a part of every sport it happens in every sport not just golf and um, you know you just have to move on and and uh, don't let it bring you down uh, number eight uh, again we've touched on this a little bit but uh, I just want to add, parents, don't spend, don't rush to spend so much. Uh, you're introducing them to the game. Don't go out and start buying a, you know, expensive clubs and flashy clothes, uh, you know, just because they mentioned, hey, I, I think I'd like to try, you know, going to the golf course today. 
Um, that's a fine line too. How do you, you know, you don't want to interfere, but Cindy, sometimes as an instructor, you want to say to the parents, hey, um, let's just kind of see how things go a few times. And, you know, we've got some clubs here at, at the course that they can maybe use uh, temporarily and, and uh, they can rent or what have you. Uh, would you agree with that? Let's not rush to the to the store or what have you and, and get them all suited up and fitted up. Then a week down the road, they might say, well, I want to go and do something else, right? Correct. I would just, you know, that's what we do. We suggest that you don't buy clubs and you see how much they like it and what's the investment yeah. going to be in the game, and then you can invest in equipment. But at this point, let's just see if they like it and they want to continue because not all kids love golf and want to continue. So why would you spend thousands of dollars on equipment, right? Well, and, and the other thing, too, you're exactly right. And, and the thing is, too, I mean, I remember as a child way back when, you know, I changed my mind every week. Uh, I mean, obviously, I loved golf as you did and, and uh, wanted to play that. So that was a given for me. But there were other things. You know, I played football for a little while. I played baseball. I played soccer. I did a lot of different activities growing up. Uh, and each week there was something else. Uh, you know, I played hockey as well, uh, being from Canada. So, you, you know, I, again, I think sometimes parents try to live vicariously through their children. And maybe they didn't take the same steps when they were growing up and they think, aha, now's my chance. I got two kids here. I'm going to shuffle them into golf because that's something I always wanted to do. And I want to get them in, you know, because maybe I do love the game and I want to get them involved. And that may not be what they want to do. So let's not rush to the store quite yet. And the last one is we do sort of the flip side of that is uh, number nine is you want to enjoy this game together, uh, whether it be a father and son, mother and daughter, father, daughter, whatever the combination, or as a family. Um, this is something that can be, uh, as you have, you have a, a family that, uh, for the most part, that plays golf. You may not all play together all the time or, or even at all, but you, you have a vested interest in this game uh, with you and, and Alan and your children, uh, and that can be a very special time. But again, I think you have to find balance in everything. What are your thoughts here, though? Because I think this is something that, you know, parents want to involve their kids in family activities, and golf certainly is something that could be uh, a very good bonding experience. What, what are your thoughts? Number one, you want it to be fun, and you want them to want to hang out with you. And if you push, yep. they're not going to want to hang out with you. If you're fun and you make it fun for them, got something that you can do with them forever and that's to me the most important part yeah i couldn't i couldn't agree more um i think it's i think it's something you know as we see uh golf is always evolving um you know we see the onslaught of technology coming in and and that's bringing a younger demographic uh it's interesting it's piquing their interest so you know kids are looking and saying wow this is kind of cool and i like all this technology and i like this um and so they're taking an interest and you know through this pandemic uh, especially last year we saw a huge influx and we're still seeing uh, a residue of that of new people coming to the game that maybe never played before including uh youngsters and particularly a lot of young girls coming to the game that again were not there before so this is a real opportunity for the industry to say, hey, let's, let's create an environment where first and foremost, um, not that being competitive isn't fun, but let's, be, um, let's make it fun and engaging. And if there's an opportunity to uh, create a family environment, especially with some of these young families coming up, that's really what they want. They want something, activities that they can do as a family. And if it's too complicated and too overbearing uh, right from the get-go, then they're less apt to want to pursue that. And they're saying, no, this is just too, too much, too expensive, too difficult. It's not for me, and they're going to just drop off. So that's just my thought on, on the, the last one. But I think uh, those are some good tips for you uh, folks out there that have juniors that want to play. And for juniors that might be tuning in as well to the show, uh, there's some tips in there for you as well. Make sure that when you're looking for an instructor, that's somebody that you get along with, that you uh, uh, you know feel is is understanding what it is that you want to get out of your golf game. So uh, lots of things to think about. Uh, great job as always, Cindy. And um, I think that's about it. Any final thoughts? Nope. Thank you so much. All right. I think we're good. All right. Again, a special thanks to our earlier guest, uh, Janie Jackson. Again, congratulations on your win at the Guardian Championship last week. Uh, much success this week at the LPGA event in Arkansas. 
And uh, thank you guys for joining us each and every week, and we look forward to you coming back next week here on the Women of Golf. God bless everybody, and uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStreamLive, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash womenofgolf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.